Hey, Coop. Yes, Dylan. Dude, you remember Macross. I'd like to think that I do. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am doing very good in this Arizona heat. Well, yeah, I was about to ask you about that. How is the move? Uh, it's all right. Um, like the the most weird parts, like I know nobody, but hey, at least there's a Uh-oh. good calzone uh, place around the corner, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's the little things. Yeah, just the little things. <laughs> so. Well, all right. So how, how have you been since the last time we talked? Because I, I think... Yeah, how long ago was that? I think the first, <laughs> last one was like beginning of February, end of January. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been a minute. A lot of life um, happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Damn. Um, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, I've been chilling. Been chilling in Cleveland. Um, not really a whole lot to say. I've been I've been watching some shows. Yeah. Uh, since getting my brother. Hmm? Oh, since getting internet, I've been just watching a little bit of Ultraman, and that's all right. Oh uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard decent things about it. Like the action's good. Yeah, right? that frame rate though. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, well. But what were you saying? Sorry to cut in on you. Uh, nothing. I was. Uh, so so my brother he he gets like a lot of anime DVDs and so for his birthday this month he got uh Digimon Tamers. Oh boy. And uh I guess while we're talking about cuz you know we're going to be talking about shows that are targeted towards kids in the states but still somehow preserve at least a decent amount of the complexity of the original like Tamers is a surprisingly good watch even even today if you can get past the dad humor it has yeah, I've been so, I've heard about that because I've been meaning to go back to that because it has the same writer as Lane, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, yeah, that that is true. <laughs> also, the same writer as the original Helsing. Ooh boy, anime. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's good. Like I I can't speak for the original Helsing because I've only seen Ultimate, but like uh, Digimon Tamers is good. Gotcha. Yeah, because I. I just know that Konaka likes to do uh, mind fuckery kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so yeah, because like I I watched it in I I watched it again for the first time since childhood in like middle school. I want to say, and like you know, I I just remember the show as being like you know surprisingly good character development, and also it gets kind of dark in the end. But like as I was watching this as an adult. After watching Lane, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, first season's like, OK, cool, kind of subverting the, the the monster pet formula. And then by the end of it, I'm like, this is a show about depression and loneliness and thinking it's better to feel nothing than feeling anything sad. Yeah, I, spe- I especially remember that watching it as a kid, like shortly before they do the bio merging stuff. Like, right before that, everybody is, like, the most depressed. <laughs> I I would argue, or at least one character is the most depressed up until, like, the, the penultimate episode. It's crazy, dude. Um, also, like, I was following a lot more of the sci-fi stuff for obvious reasons. Um, I don't know how solid it all is, but, like, you know, it's kind of cool that they went that angle 
for a show like this. Yeah, that. Um, yeah. Also, there are vague shades of Hunter Hunter in <laughs> Digimon Tamers. I, I could. I, I haven't I, watched Hunter Hunter myself, but from what I okay. what I've heard of where that goes, um, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, <laughs> but did you? Um, yeah, I won't. Yeah, this is this is about Mac. Yes, yeah, so this so. is about that show with the planes and the guy who's named Roy Fokker and <laughs> and there's uh, protoculture and stuff. So. Uh, today we'll consider the protoculture. The protoculture. It's it's <laughs> it's it's my new Twitter handle. No, it's not. Um, so I guess today we're taking a look at episodes four through six of SDF Macross. And before we really start breaking into this, so before I moved, I was watching my DVDs on a PS2 connected to old CRT. Be- yeah, because uh, the. The aspect ratio just did not work on the little old HDTV I had, and it did not look as good. <laughs> that that does not surprise me. <laughs> yeah, I I was happy I was going with the CRT, and but let me tell you, actually that that reminds me. I'm yeah. sorry, no, I don't go ahead. need to cut you off. No worries. Uh, when we were watching Digimon Tamers, we watched like the whole thing on our HDTV down like in our basement, yeah. but like for the last couple episodes. Uh, my brother and I, we decided to watch it on the PS2 CRT, and now I regret not doing that from the start. That, oh, that's beautiful life choice. Beautiful life choice. Oh, uh, yeah. I, well, we're, we're, we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so <laughs> I, I think I went back the other way from uh, where you and Jordan went with Digimon, because now I'm watching mm-hmm. Macross on this huge four, 50-inch 4K TV. And it's mm-hmm. big enough now to where I'm like, you know, this looks all right. The aspect ratio doesn't bug me anymore. <laughs> okay, so it, it, it went the other way around where it's it's fine now. Yeah, like it's so... Uh, my, my TV's so big, I'm just like, oh, this is like if I put on an NES game. Well, an emulated NES game on here because that's how they mm. all do it these days. So Right, right. Yeah, it... It looks surprisingly good. I was still kind of bummed that it's not on a CRT. I miss that thing. Left it. I think oh, fifteen. And this, this yeah, is for ahead. video games. I don't know if this applies to movies, but I think like there are plugins you can get for like PS ones and PS twos, specifically PS ones that like remove the dithering. Yeah, I know. I've heard. I've heard a little bit about that, but that's. At least in my experience, I've heard more about that for especially like the Genesis because that thing is <laughs> the dithering machine. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm, I like the dithering look. So I that's don't fair. Know. I mean, like this is this is for like you know modern televisions. Yeah, it's just, it's it's interesting how mo- modern television displays and the old. Oh boy, I like both. I like both, but I prefer I prefer the old stuff for my old stuff. Uh, manufacturers should market to my nostalgia and bring back CRT <laughs> I wish that was like fine. Uh, Cause did you know? So I can play Melee again. Oh, but did you know nah. Goodwill stopped accepting CRTs? Oh wow! Like in 2015, I mean, like, it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. And there's not a lot um, of people who are going to keep on doing work on those anyway. So it's kind of a lose. This is why lose. Nintendo needs to re-release F Zero GX on modern hardware. 
There we go. But they're going to call it Red Out 2. That's that's what's going to happen. Oh. Anyway. Uh, or F-Zero Grand Prix. Or F-Star I'm Fox sorry, Grand I completely Prix. cut you off. Oh, you're good. Uh, but I, was just, I was more or less just saying that. Can you tell we haven't talked in a while? <laughs> I, um, I know. I was just saying that... Uh, it looks good on this TV, this huge OTV, so I wish I'm surprised. But hey, uh, that's that's all I have on that. And okay, all right. So you just want to jump into episode four here? Yep let's let's go right in. Okay, let's jump on into this nonsense. So just to recap. Um, the Macross folded off of South Ontario Island, super close to the surface of the earth, and they took the island, the people, the water, and they put it to just outside of Pluto, and their folder, uh, their space transmogrification device is now gone, and they're like, hey, uh, now they're in the situation, the crew of the Macross is starting to bring the islanders on the ship, and since the Macross's original attachment arms are gone, they're like, hey, look at these spaceship battle Yamato looking ships. Oh, let's just <laughs> attach them and give us give our big alien ship boat arms. Um, and then meanwhile, Hikaru and Minmei are stranded in the bowels of the Macross, fouling them getting stranded in space and then finding their way into the Macross during battle. And they're trying to look around, and uh, Minmay makes uh, a joke about the hot... Something about um, they're, like, going by, like, a series of uh, pipes, and Minmay yeah. makes some joke about it. And I was thinking to myself, uh, last time we were talking about that joke Minmay was making about her hair... Because, like, the first time I watched the show, I think I took that joke oh. literally. And, right, right. Now I remember. And It's been a month. Yeah. <laughs> Almost two, <laughs> I think. Oh, boy. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. I, I get Min May a bit more, a bit more now. She's, she is super sarcastic, and I kind of love that now. Yeah. Though things we'll get into later confuse me, so... Um, um, I have I have thoughts about these, which I sent you a message yes. ahead of time, but like no context for it. So we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. So they they uh, they wander a bit around. They just uh, they're like, let's get out of here and find people. And they uh, uh, come upon a giant airlock for giants. And once they see this, the car is like. Oh, I-, I killed that guy who was way too big for his little pod. Uh, uh, who did his Russian stacking into the pod, and then oh my god! And then she shows up, and Minmay shows up, and is like, "Look at all this junk!" Um, and then they're just watching the junk. Um, and then meanwhile, back on the bridge, Misa, 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 Claudia, and the rest of the crew. Um, are facing the situation that with that island they bought, they brought fifty thousand people. They need to get on to the Macross as soon as possible, along with all their junk. And they're open to a sneak attack from the Zentradi at any time. So they're 
they're trying to hustle. They're they're drinking a lot of coffee while they're trying to figure this stuff out. Which, you know, I wouldn't mind if somebody sent Dylan and I monogrammed SDF1 coffee cups. I'd drink out of that. Oh, that'd be... F- yeah, no, I would I would love that. <laughs> I, I, would, I would drink out of that pretty regularly. So just as much as my Persona 5 cup, because I only have one coffee cup. <laughs> hey, nice. I have a Triforce cup, so I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> the legend of coffee. The Triforce of the caffeine. Of co- <laughs> <laughs> it, it is... It is Power, wisdom, and courage all in one. So That's not true. So Nintendo's going to let you make your own spinoff game about the Triforce of Coffee. <laughs> no, uh, coffee's only the Triforce of Power because the caffeine makes me anxious, which means I lose courage and wisdom anyway. <laughs> and you're going to uh, fight a small child to take over a country, right? Always. Always. <laughs> um, and so we go back to Hikaru and Minmei. Uh, just wandering around. She gets thirsty, and uh, Hikaru remembers the pipes they ran into earlier. So they break the pipes, and they're showered with water, and Minmei's like, hey, I'm going to take a shower. And then... Because why not? <laughs> and then it just... We need that fan service shot. Uh, Sayla and Mirai did that in Gundam three years ago. Oh, boy. We're behind. I-, I am not. I am not surprised. <laughs> but the thing that got me about that was as soon as she mentions that she's going to take a shower, Hikaru has this dumb look on his face that lasts, I don't know, like two, three seconds. And um, and she's like, hey, dude, um, you should get out of here. And he's like, I don't know what he was thinking. He's like, uh, all right, go ahead and shower. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too, because he's like, ooh, pretty girl. Uh, um <laughs> And then she's like, get out of here. And then I think what happens is uh, she, like, screams a little bit. And Mm -hmm. he comes back and she's like, you trying to sneak a peek? And uh, Which, to her credit, she was right. He was trying to sneak a peek. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. So. (laughs) Come on, Hikaru. Keep it in your fucking pants. Yeah. (laughs) Perv. Oh, you know. You know, he probably gets that from hanging around Roy, so. <laughs> oh, my God. you! I don't remember how Roy was in the first three episodes of Macross. Uh, I do remember, do you remember love? So. Oh, uh, Roy's just a like, perv. Let's just, let's just Roy, be honest. He's just a lech. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, oh, boy. But speaking of uh, Roy looking at butts, they have the gratuitous shower shot. And I'm thinking to myself while watching this, we established that she's 14, right? Uh, yeah. But it's, I, uh, it's, like you said with Gundam, they did it before. So I guess there was some odd presence <laughs> to it. So I don't I, know. Actually, yeah, I don't know how old Sayla is. So uh, I'm just, I was going to say Mirai's at least like 18 or 19. So like they have a little bit more leeway, I think. But I'm just going to ride this up to Japanese 70s stuff even though they still do that today let's be honest not as much as they did back in the 90s and 80s because when it came to show casual nudity back then they were like full horny yeah no it's uh moving on (laughs) moving on (laughs) like i i'm not equipped to talk about like the culture of Japan in the eighties. Yeah, I. So I'm gonna I, I'm gonna roll right on I, by. I now. agree with you because I only know what I know from anime. <laughs> uh, 
I, I sound like such an intellectual. I should put that on my CV. <laughs> oh, my God. Only knows what he knows from anime. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what happens okay. after Min May's butt showers? Yeah, after the butt showers, uh, they're just kind of... <laughs> Butt showers. <laughs> uh, welcome to the butt showers podcast. We're uh, we're switching gears. Butt showers all day, every day. You could say this podcast has transformed like the Macross, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. <gasps> okay. <laughs> okay, back on track. Uh, yep, yeah. They're chilling a bit, and they find rats, and they cut a little bit while talking. That's all that really happens. And then uh, yeah. it's just kind of a montage of the Hikaru uh, bumping his head and looking around the Macross. And Minmei's like, I miss my folks. And they're not making any progress and they're running out of I food. I think a week passes. Yeah. Like, I, it, like if, you, if you guys don't have an idea on how big this ship is, they've been exploring it for a week. With no contact with any other people. Oh, I know Hikaru said it was like a kilometer long, too. So they, they got a lot of ground to cover. Or it's probably yeah. way more than that, I would imagine. Like, if it is a kilometer long, I think they underestimated how many rooms and structures there are in the ship. Because you can really tell with him going through the Macross that everything that the the UN did to it is really jury rigged. It's like, yeah, we're just slapping stuff on stuff. Like it's not like well, a, that's, that's the impression I got when we saw the airlock for the giants, just like this isn't supposed to be a human ship. No, it's just like, Oh, cause I would just imagine the day. Yeah. Uh, Bill from engineering, you know, what's up with this giant door? Uh, oh, I got an idea. Let's build giant flying plane robots to go for the store. Problem solved. We won't take it out. <laughs> um, a plus. A plus plus writing. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, they're getting a little desperate. So speaking of that airlock, Hikaru's like, I'm going to jump out the airlock to go get some help, see what happens. And Mimei's like, you don't have a space suit. And Hikaru's like, I got this pilot suit and this helmet. I'm going to wrap my face and hold my breath. Because that's Just a good idea. Just that shit down. <laughs> uh, astronauts I mean, do it like, all the time. I mean, like, it it works, so I can't, I can't hate. Just but. barely. Um, because when he's about to jump out, they see a giant tuna. Just out there, cause, cause why not? Cause island got swept up. So yeah, I like I like how Hikaru's just like, why are you screaming? You got to keep a level. And then he turns around and yeah, there's just a giant fucking tuna floating in space. Like I wouldn't keep my head. Uh uh-uh. uh I would think that's like some sort of elder god we crashed into. <laughs> and it'd be like, um, I don't need help now. I just need the tuna. So. <laughs> He jumps out. Yeah, they, they prioritize the, the tuna so they can have more rations. Yes, because they are running out. So he goes after the tuna, almost runs out of air, is almost crushed by the girth of this tuna. And once he gets out the airlock, it cuts the tuna. Pretty much they only get the head of the thing, mm-hmm. which is a big bummer because you had that rest of that... I'm not okay, so I would say juicy, wonderful tuna meat, 
for me personally, I can't do that with tuna because I, I was the moron who ate tuna at Subway about a year ago. Oh. And got food poisoning, so... Oh, that sounds terrible. Uh, pro tip, don't eat the tuna at Subway, even <laughs> though you tell yourself, even though you know this and tell yourself, oh, it's fresh, it'll be good. It's it's good with the teriyaki no. sauce on it. Um, <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm... Oh, God, that... Sorry, you just made my stomach curdle at the thought of that. Because when I think of, like, tuna, I think of, like, ahi tuna. Um, but whatever. It's You know, you're, you're probably now. better thinking of ahi tuna because tuna's ruined for me by tuna fish sandwiches and all that. So, I like, even as a kid, I could never eat the tuna. Like, I have a very sensitive uh, nose. I, so I, I could never get through that mental block even. I do not blame you at all. I just, uh. <laughs> but speaking of something actually good, um, the crew's drinking more coffee because, of course, they are. And then, They are fucking shot. Yeah. Like, they are in high-tensity, like, yeah. they got a lot of work to do. Like, they, this, this, this is the coffee episode for everybody else. Um, because they're they're going like crazy trying to get people in and trying to be like, uh, are we gonna get shot? Um, let's hope not. Um, but we keep on going with Minmay and Hikaru. They're just hanging out, laying around the fire. And hey, that Minmay girl, she she can kind of sing. She's she's kind of good at it. <laughs> it. It's not like that. Say she's been taking lessons. Yeah, many lessons. It's. It's not like that's going to become a key point of the show or anything. I don't know. So I, I don't remember if they address it in the Robotech dub. Um, because, like, you know, I could be misremembering because I was watching it with people versus now watching Macross alone. But um, it always just kind of felt like, oh, Minmay can sing. Like she, like, she was just born with that ability. But it, it is nice to know that there is a hard confirm that she's been studying and working for this yeah they they i think she mentions that again in the next episode the specifics but i yeah, yeah. i find that weird that they that she, that in the that they don't even mention that in the robotech but then again we, uh we missed the entire from what you told me they don't mention the unification war at all during like, that again this is this is based on like my flawed memory so they might have said that and i was just focusing on other stuff it's okay. But like, <laughs> we we both know yeah, Robotech no. is flawed. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just. How I'm, dare you? <laughs> no. I will never say that Robotech is flawless. <laughs> For multiple reasons. Multiple. Well, let me tell you about the best part, Southern Cross. But anyway. Um, <laughs> oh God. It's. It gets better at the end, but yeah. Oh, we're we're getting off yes. track. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and th- then they start talking about Hikaru and they start talking about what they want to do. Uh, Hikaru is not sure he likes flying the planes, and Minmay's like, "I want to be a bride, but I'm gonna die, and I'm gonna be the Durat's dinner." And Hikaru's like, "Hey, uh, chill out. You're you're going places, Minmay." And Hikaru then's like, I like, I like this girl. Let's just, we're going to die. Let's have a wedding, a wedding ceremony. And then I start slightly cracking up because they play this super dramatic soap opera music when they start talking <laughs> about 
going into doing uh, doing this makeshift wedding ceremony, and I swear mm-hmm. the music they use is the same music they use uh, during that dream sequence when Ralphie goes blind in a Christmas story and the family's <laughs> trying to console him because it's just so I'm definitely overly gonna dramatic. Have to watch that scene again. <laughs> I. I'm just like, this is like overwrought and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) What overwrought character drama in Macross? Oh, boy. Uh, We're not there yet. No, we're not. We're getting there, though. Uh, And now Min May, after this, uh, being so marriage and crazy and all that, she wants to jump off the hairlock. With it's like, let's fucking die now. Let's if we're gonna die, let's go out. Let's, Romeo and Juliet. That's not how they died, but you you get what yeah, I'm saying. I get you. And Ikara's like, uh, I don't know about that. Let's uh, let's focus on survival, please. Yeah, and then they're gonna kiss and feelings and Minmay's like, yeah, maybe I little went a little crazy there. And then right as they're about to kiss, blam. Uh, the they got a crew of the Islanders scooping out, and they're like, "Hey, it's Minmay, and hey, it's that guy. We know okay, her." Okay, very important thing I want to point out because I think in the movie, uh, the crew just finds them, or the the civilians just find them. Here, the only reason why they live is because of a fluke. They get attacked by Zentradi. They fire a missile, and it breaks through uh, the roof of where they are. But it's a dud, so they could have very easily died. I totally for I totally like spaced over the fact that they were only digging there because it was a dud missile. So yep. Oh boy, but I was thinking about uh, thinking what you were mentioning about how it is and do you remember love? Because I'm like, oh, I'm a dummy. Of course, that's where they got it from. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're up, and we learned that. Uh, they're trying their best. The the crew of the Macross and the Islanders are trying their best to put everything that was from the city uh, back into the Macross and the giant storage bay. And they just start the journey home. So that was an episode of Feelings and Coffee. <laughs> That's my new Netflix you series. A lot of a lot of people in high stress situations, yes. some might say. Yes, very high. Do we just want to keep on rolling here? <laughs> yeah, I, I think let's roll through, and then we can we can kind of save all the commentary for the end. Sounds good. Let's make this like Fred Durst, rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> okay, I just made a <laughs> Limp Biscuit reference in 2019. Oh boy, you're you're not the first, and you won't be the last. <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> so we start on episode five. Construction is continuing in the city, and uh, Min May, we open on her cleaning up uh, her uh, aunt and uncle's restaurant. That is an exact replica of the restaurant, how it looked on Earth. Yes, which I'm just like, did they just like Lego block everything into the into the deck <laughs> of the Macross, which they did? So I, I like to imagine, like, Macross City, the original, wasn't that old to begin with. Like, so th- all of the original designers or something were still there, and they are like, yeah, we can just do that all over again. I can imagine that, because with the, with the rebuild process of the Macross, I bet you... 
Because they did this over about 10 years of rebuilding it, so everybody mm-hmm. was still there and these buildings were still pretty fresh, so it probably yeah. wasn't super difficult. Um, and I, I assume, like, you know, because people want to be living in houses, they probably helped with the construction effort. Yeah. Like, this is all headcanon, but... No, I, I can know. definitely see that, because it seems like their things are always a little shorthanded. Um, but they... Minmay, going back... Uh, Minmay is cleaning up, hoping to reopen the restaurant. Even though there are rations, and my brain goes, maybe you shouldn't open up a restaurant with rations, and her auntie and uncle are like that. But they're won over because Minmay is kind of making a suggestion of, hey, let's do this so people can go back to their normal lives or have some semblance of that, which mm-hmm. I, I quite like. And, um, and in this time... Since uh, they were rescued, Hikari's been staying with Minmay and her folks, and the people are like, hey, uh, is there something going on? This is specifically um, people from around town and also all the soldiers who come into the restaurant. And uh, when asked about it by the soldiers, Minmay's all like, oh, Hikaru and I are just friends. Hikaru overhears this and is like, uh, you just talked about dying with me and this marriage thing. Um, it's it's literally the uh, that one meme image of the guy looking over at the girl and the other girl that he's with is like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see that. <laughs> so uh, while Hikaru is being all confused. Um, Captain Global's hanging out with some science people, science people with just uh, black dots for eyes. Because um, <laughs> I noticed that I was like, that guy, that guy doesn't have eyes like everybody else. But OK, it, it's, it was the 80s. Um, I think that that's weird to me because, like, you know, in Gundam, that was used to kind of show that, like, Bright and Mirai were from Hong Kong. But, like, I don't know if it has that same purpose in Macross. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna think not. Maybe just because they're like, because um, most people in Macross don't have the dot eyes, so it's just kind of like, oh, he's not as important. Give him dot eyes. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. I anime. Uh, you're cutting out a little oh, bit for me. Sorry. Gotcha. No worries. Um, so uh, let me take a look. See here. Um, so global is hanging out with science guy with no eyes and, um, they find out that the main gun can't be fired at all due to some parts disappearing when they folded, when all the fold technology disappeared and, um, science guy tells global, yo, the only way we can fire this main gun is if the Macross transforms, but it's going to tear everything apart inside the Macross, especially where the survivors have set stuff up and Global's like, eh, no, we're, we're not going to do that to them right after all this. Um, and then we cut on over back to the restaurant and I was mentioning the soldiers. And I remember when we were last talking about it, the show does have some very heavy post world war two vibes here and there. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's definitely intentional. Because this whole situation at the restaurant reminded me of what I've seen about and read about the experience for people living in Okinawa and the soldiers mm-hmm. and all the restaurants and stuff like that. My, 
at least for me, it's mostly an Anthony Bourdain episode I watched. So um, I thought that was super interesting. Um, mm. um, it comes up a little bit here and there, but um, so going forward, um, Hikaru is still confused about Min May, so he's at the crash site of his prop plane, and Roy shows up trying to cheer him up, and um, he's like, hey, I want to show you something. And I noticed this. Uh, Roy, like, lost everything from his nose up for a second there. Did you notice that, too? Um, no, I didn't. I Maybe it was because I was watching it on YouTube and it skipped a frame or gotcha. something. Because I was like, oh, okay, that's that's an old school animation error, but uh, whatever. So... I, I thought it's fine. That, whew, <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> um, and then to try and uh, cheer Hikaru up, uh, he's showing uh, Roy showing Hikaru the VF One A is taking off the your standard grunt Valkyries taken off from one of the space battleship Yamatos they grafted onto the Macross as a boat arm. Um, with a, oh, I thought it was so cool they had the whole. You can tell it's been a while. Um, they have a just a whole flight crew in space gear sending the planes off. Mm. Um, I was like, okay, I, I like this. I like this battleship and space stuff. <laughs> and um, or it's like, hey, join the military. And the guy's like, I don't know. And uh, Min May, Min confusing. And uh, and Roy's like. You know, Min May asked you, asked me to talk to you, and hey, she's she's a fickle woman. Take care of her. Some other man will come get her. Yeah, um, I guess I, I do want to talk about Min May briefly before we move on, just because like, yeah, go what ahead. is up with that? Yeah, because yeah, like. I I think <laughs> I think my thing when we were talking about um, the jokes, especially from earlier that I was taking them too seriously. I think it's because of this, because she has such a mm. drastic change in personality from that to yeah. this. And it seems kind of intentional. And you said something that kind of blew my mind. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll still, I'm still holding that. You still off. holding that? Uh, you still holding that? Yeah. Back I'm still holding pocket? that. Okay. Still holding that. Uh, but ignoring that, um, yeah, I, I just want to talk about this because, like, you know, Minmay Minmay's fickle, but like, I also feel like her priority and Hikaru's priority are different. And I guess, like, you know, Minmay's trying to reintegrate into society. Like, I don't think she's trying to pretend that nothing happened, but I think she's just trying to reevaluate the status quo. This is me giving the character the benefit of the doubt. No, I, like, I I definitely see what you're saying, especially with her actions to get the restaurant going and encouraging all the local business owners to just do what they were doing again, just to mm-hmm. uh, reestablish that sense of normalcy for everybody while you have everybody in the military freaking out and drinking their coffee. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think, I think this is something that we'll see later on, uh, especially in the relationship with Roy and Claudia getting way ahead of ourselves. But like, I think, you know, there's this idea that like the soldiers, which Hikaru isn't yet, but will be soon, uh, have like this very fatalistic, like we can die at any moment 
type of perspective, whereas I think someone like Minmay, she has more of a perspective on the community, and so... I don't know. No, um, I, I definitely see what you're talking about, because... Well, it gets there, but you'll you'll definitely see the the split in perspectives because Min May is a good, um, as we'll see even more soon. She's a good figurehead and uh, uh, figure for the community, while the military and Hikaru, you know, they kind of it's kind of like there's like two separate communities living at once, yeah. and there's like there's just kind of a disconnect between their ways of living despite having yeah. a uh, similar shared situation. They, they have to coexist, and you can tell uh, with a lot of the soldiers that they, they do enjoy living. Like, they, they do enjoy the community living, but, like, it is a different type of community. Like, eh, well, I, I guess we'll talk more about that later, but I just, I just wanted to kind of address, like, Min Mei's... I don't want to say turn about face, because, like... I don't think she's really changed all that much. I just think that, like, Hikaru has, like, a specific understanding of Minmei that he is surprised when that changes. Yes, I, I get that. And it, and it doesn't it, it doesn't help, too, that he's infatuated with her. And I in a lot of situations, just speaking from personal experience, like when you're infatuated with somebody for first time, like something like that, whenever there's like a certain different personality trait that you're not used to. It just really catches you off guard. Yeah. You like, I almost called him Rick. Hikaru has an image of Minmei that is a very specific image based on, you know, because now that I think about it, like he's never really talked to her before, Mm -mm. you know, rescuing her. And so, you know, Minmei could always be like this. And he just wouldn't have any way of knowing because all he's only seen her, you know, when she thinks she's going to die in a week. Yeah, because they've only let's let's think about this. They've up to this point, they've only known each other and maybe for like three weeks max, if if not a little less. And it's been only in this very specific context of, hey, we got aliens attacking us and oh, we're uh, trying to survive far away from Earth lost in this giant robot ship. Yeah. So, no, I get that. Thank you yeah. for bringing that up. <laughs> um, so, looking, seeing where we are. Hey, we have a good... Wait, g- actually, sorry. Yeah, One last ahead. thing before we move on. Um, because Hikaru, he doesn't live in Macross City, does he? Like, no, he he's, he's from elsewhere. to meet up with Roy. Yeah. So, he has no idea who Minmay is or what her relationship with the rest of Macross City is. Because for all intents and purposes, he's just kind of a... Yeah, he's just kind of an outsider to all of it at this point. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's very easy to assume that the Minmay we see in this episode is business-as-usual Minmay, who does still care about Hikaru, but, like, maybe he's not her priority right now. Yeah, I, I can see that, too, especially... Again, with her pushing to go back to normalcy for the Islanders on the Macross, um, I, I, yeah, I definitely see that. Because, again, like we were saying, Hikaru's just used to heightened Minmei. Um, yeah. So I can, I can definitely see that disconnect there. 
Okay. Yeah. Sorry, we, we can move on. Okay. Now. I just I I felt like we we got to this point and I was like, let's dissect that a little right. bit. Hey, thanks for bringing it up. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. All right. So where were uh, my notes? My uh, let's note. see. Fickle, uh, Britai, and Exodol. There we go. So yeah, I got you, fam. Yeah, fam. I love having people in my notes. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, so Britai and Exodol, you're are basically the two commander dudes uh, for the Zentradi. Uh, Britai has the metal Kano face and is big, and Exodol is the small redhead dude. Um, and they're talking about just looking over um, footage from the battle on the island. And they're like, oh, these Earthlings. Uh, yeah, they're my clones. And... They're like, that's what they start calling them. And they're like, hey, there's some legend that maybe we shouldn't, you know, be doing anything with these tiny, tiny people. It, it might be really bad for us. Um, I, I like that a not community. That's the wrong a race like the Zentradi that is as war based and devoid as culture as they are still have legends. Yeah, I I. I, I guess especially I, hmm, I guess that would ca- I mean I guess I guess it's just like cautionary advice from like whatever the the leader is I don't remember the name no I could um, I, I see what you're saying yeah because they've because we'll, we'll just assume that they've been a warfaring race for as long as they can remember so the past thousand years if not more so mm-hmm. they would definitely have I don't know war records and historical documents they can use for future warring pursuits. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Brita is like, eh, I don't care about this document stuff. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's send some uh, part of our fleet, have them fold over to the Macross just so we can probe them, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little later on, Hikaru actually tries to talk to Minmei in her room, which miraculously has been repaired from when his robot fell into it. Um, well, again, they just rebuilt the whole building. Remember? Yeah, they're just like, I'm just gonna put, I'm just gonna put a little spit and bondo on it. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> like a Space Jam type spit shine. There you go. Yes. <laughs> and and then there was a theater technician on uh, the Macross 2 who was uh, allowed to do architectural work. And he's like, I'm just going to put gaff tape on everything. It'll be good. Because <laughs> <laughs> gaff tape solves all problems. Am I right? Oh, uh, yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> um, so Hikaru almost chickens out. Yeah. But uh, Minmei ends up like seeing him anyway because she's actually coming back to her room yeah um so they run into each other by fluke and I th- and uh go oh, keep on yeah, going go ahead okay and uh she basically invites him inside her room Ooh, no uh and he sees that she was in the running for an audition which she unfortunately can't make because she's on the other side of the milky way <laughs> yep uh i guess simon cowell will not be happy with that <laughs> Yokohama Idol. Um, uh, of course. <laughs> and, and and while they're talking about this, you know, Minmei has that dream dashed. But Hikaru's like, I, I want to say real quick. Yeah, go ahead. the letter, the letter from the audition. Surprisingly decent English. <laughs> yeah, I was. 
I think since it's been a while since I watched it, I was surprised how well detailed that letter was too. Just because can, I can, can I read a letter from Zeta Gundam real quick? Go ahead. Uh, I I gotta pull it up, but well, you know, it's it's really good. <laughs> is the letter in a glass tube that you worry about getting shot open that might hurt your loved ones? That's all I know about Zeta Gundam and glass tubes. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, nah. That took me a second. But anyway, uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm reading this letter. It's from a character from the original Gundam to another character uh, from the same crew. And he says something in the letter is partially cut off, so you'll have to forgive me. Uh, something so good to see you again. Do you know how many years have passed since I saw you last? How's your wife? Frau Bo, in all caps, and kids. They should be happy with you. I wish I were you. <laughs> Captain Quattro, he is a char. He should be becoming the leader. B is satisfied with being mere soldier. I think that's supposed to say mere soldier, but it, the R looks like a V. So Maeve soldier. I really don't like his attitude of escaping from reality. So I don't want to be with him. I am going to gather the information T. This is the best English letter ever. <laughs> Uh, it's it's powerful. <laughs> you should every time you have a everybody wants a cover letter when you're applying for a job, just copy and paste this on there. <laughs> the, Ca- the hiring Captain dir- Quattro, he is a char, <laughs> char written in all caps. I might add. <laughs> uh, the HR will be confused when you send in that letter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay, yeah, no, I just had to throw that one out there. I love that. Um, so while they're talking about this uh, letter uh, about how uh, Quattro is Char, I mean the audition, um, <laughs> Hikari's like, my plane's broken. I have not much to live for. And then, snap, uh, the Zentradi start attacking, and the Valkyrie starts scrambling. And, uh, uh, mind you, uh, Hikaru and Minmei aren't in, uh, her bedroom anymore. They're in a nice little park now with the fight going on. And, uh, the Sentradi are like, hey, we're going to just poke the Macross until it fires the main gun again. And the damage starts stacking up to a point where Global's like, Okay, I, I got, I, I <laughs> ha- got to do it. I have to, I have to turn this. This flat nosed truck into an Optimus Prime. So <laughs> the truck transforms into the, I mean, the, the Macross transforms into its giant boat armed, starts to transform into its giant boat armed robot. And while this is going on, um, in May is like, um, we cut back to Kara Min May and she's like, Hey, maybe you can join the military and start flying some planes. Uh, and I'm thinking she's doing this just kind of in hopes, like with like rebuilding the restaurant, trying to return him to some form of normalcy that he's used to. And then, okay, so this is I think this is where I'm going to mention it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So in my caffeine adult state, um, I scribbled this down in a journal, which I later texted to Coop, where I said, "Mid May." Equals Griffin. (laughs) 
And so for for everyone who's seen Berserk and knows Griffith, I will explain this really quick, and I don't mean this literally. So I think the thing is that, like, Minmay, as she's continuing to pursue her life, as she's continuing to pursue normalcy, as she's, you know, maybe she doesn't have that audition she wanted to go to, but, like, you know, she still has her dream and she's working towards it. Um, people familiar with uh, Berserk, specifically the Golden Age arc, will know the character of Griffith and how his personal beliefs, which may or may not be a lie, so take that with a grain of salt, is that the only per- type of person he can consider his friend is someone who pursues their own passion with 100% um, pursuit. Um, I... <sighs> I, I, I lost the word, but you know what I'm saying. I get to you. Say. I get you. Um, and so I think, you know, in that way, Minmei is, you know, she likes Hikaru, but she will be happier if Hikaru is pursuing his dream. And, you know, maybe his, his, uh, his circus planes crashed. She, he would still be happier if he was flying somehow because that is him and his natural element. Um... Yeah, and so I think, like, because I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick at the the character of Minmay this this viewing because a this is the original interpretation of Minmay, not Carl Machek's uh, version of the character, not the Robotech, uh, not the Robotech um, Minmay. So like, I I kind of wanna wanna figure her out. Yeah, because um, that's 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 playing a little more in my forefront of my mind right now. Um, but I, I don't know. I've through this, I've, cause I used to think Minmay was kind of all over the place just uh, mm-hmm. from somebody's watched it before that perspective. But now seeing yeah. it now, especially well, when you're, you're talking to someone who like has studied it, like not to toot my own horn or anything, but backstage gaming, right. uh, we're Chris and I uh, to talk about a different podcast real quick. Sorry, that's good. Uh, something that free we, advertisement. We both do a uh, something that we both do as actors is that you know when we look at when we look at a character, we have to kind of try and pick apart what makes them tick. Um, and we do this with like the entirety of their character arc in mind. So this viewing of Macross, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention. Uh, specifically to Minmei, also to Misa and Hikaru, because they are equally important. But, like, I feel like Minmei's kind of the hardest one to get a get a track on. Yeah, because there's so many different things that are going on with her. And I know, just at least in this situation, um, I kind of lightened on her a bit more because... Um, when they're talking about going back to planes, I think Hikaru says something like he's going to kill himself or some real dark stuff about, I just want everything to be destroyed. And that gave me a little more, oh, yeah, yeah. a little more context for her during the whole wedding moment. Just, mm-hmm. just because I'm like, Oh, okay. It's, it's not that, that this is, it's more of a stress of the moment thing or stress of the circumstances um, yeah. thing. Uh, so that kind of lightened me on her because at this point it's like, oh, yeah, Minmay's the voice of reason. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, going back to Digimon Tamers at the beginning of the episode, just because I've been watching that. Be the um, biggest streamer. 
Hey, uh, the character Jury, uh, she has a line where, like, she's talking to the villain and she says, you convinced me that feeling nothing is better than feeling sad. And I think this, that's kind of what we see Hikaru and Minmei in these these past couple episodes. Um, you know, Minmei says she wants to be a bride, but I honestly don't think she'd be satisfied with that. No. Um, she's definitely... She's, she's kind of, like, making do with the fact that she might not live to see tomorrow. Yeah, because she seems like a very... In my like, point. I think she wants to be a pillar of the community. Yes. I think she, she thoroughly enjoys that position. She enjoys what that brings her. Um, for better or worse, as we'll see later. Yes. But, um, and, you know, with Hikaru, he loves flying. And even if he's not flying for the entertainment of others, I think Minmei can see, like, she identifies and sees that, like, you know, Hikaru is in a state where, like, he feels like he has nowhere to go, and he would rather feel nothing than feel his dream being crushed. Yeah, yeah, I... No, I I totally get that. Um, yeah, because at this point he's just kind of lost and confused, and because flying is really all he's had his entire life outside of chasing after Roy. And uh, I think I think we talked it earlier on. I I don't think his mother's in the picture, and his dad died in a plane crash, and. So flying's really all he has left. So without that, that just kind of shatters all sense of identity he has. And like you're saying with Minmay, um, she she identifies this, and then from there is like, hey, if this is going to make you more happy and back to you instead of whiny, confusing boy, uh, you should probably do it. Yeah. So she's basically saying, uh, get in the plane, Shinji. <laughs> <laughs> This is the equivalent of the bright slap. Yeah, I, I, m- yeah. maybe not quite, but it's it's close <laughs> to that with a little less no, uh, physical no. violence there. <laughs> a little less physical violence, but like I think I, I'm I'm getting more at like the assertiveness than the literal like getting the gun to mama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Anything more on that, or did you want to? Keep on rolling. Um, no, we we can we can keep Fred Dursting. Okay, rolling, 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 <laughs> rolling, rolling. <laughs> All right. All right. So right at the end of this conversation, they're having the transformation rips the city apart, uh, and the the park they're standing in splits apart, and it turns into a creve- crevice that um, Minmay almost falls into, but Hikaru saves her. But with the city being mm-hmm. ripped apart, you're like. And things opening, things closing, you're like, stuff's getting destroyed, people are dying. Like I We don't see them, but trust me, they exist. Uh they're like I'm almost thinking at this point, are they doing more damage by transforming the ship rather than if they didn't, you know? But <laughs> Boy. I think I, there's there's a bit of dramatic irony where like the Centradi aren't even trying to destroy the ship; they just want to capture it and examine it. Yeah, because they're they're really they're just really trying to goad them into firing the gun so they can know how it works. And yeah, and now they know. Hey, this thing can transform into a thing with boat hands. So uh, okay, they know that now. Um, 
Yeah. But it transforms. The gun just totally shreds the Zentradi forces. And I, I want to point out the, the fucking triumphant music that's playing as this, this is going on. Yeah. Which I feel like is intentional. Like, I, I don't think it's being tone deaf to the... Uh, We'll, we'll get there later. I'm sorry. I know. I think. I think. I think. I think you have a good point there because it's really that triumph of music is just a good another indicator of hey, uh, if the Macross fires this thing, it wipes out everything. It's not. It's it's something you have to be a little strategical to get around, you know, because it has such a yeah. big firing radius and it like like we said it shreds. Um, yeah. But what's interesting to go into what you were saying, too, is like right after Global's like, I'm not even going to think about celebrating because the rich crew starts celebrating. But he's like, no, nope, yep. we're disaster relief right now. Um, as far as we I'm no time to rest. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, we didn't win anything. Um, we're we're going to go take care of this right now. Just all hands on deck. And in the Sikar is like, OK. I'll uh, I'll fly a plane for the military now. The military after it destroyed the city. Yeah. So. But like, I I I also get it. I also get it. But it it it, it, it does strike me kind of weird that like, Hikaru's been like, you know, ah, oh, the military—they're just a bunch of killers. And then, you know, in trying to defend the ship, the military is forced to literally destroy the city. Yeah. <laughs> twice a second time. <laughs> And then he is like, all right, you know what? I guess I'll join the military. Because I, well, I think it's, I, I question that decision though, because I'm wondering if it's more of, um, he's realized this is a necessary evil. I don't think it's that. I think it's more of, oh, I should do this for this girl I like. That's, that's more what I'm thinking because I, I feel yeah. like Min May honestly has at this point has such a sway over him that yeah he'll pretty much do most things that she suggests at least that's where i where i think mm-hmm. um but anyway uh fred dursting on to episode six <laughs> um we learned that the macross now has been space for about two months um it's getting close to saturn and uh we just get a re- reformation that a lot of people died in the transformation and they're still trying to bring things back up from it, even though they have already done a ton of work to the, the city looks even more put together now than it was before the transformation. And, um, Hikaru does himself a training montage of being in the military. And then he gets a day of uh, shore leave, hangs out with Min May, carries her groceries they end up in a lingerie store, and then uh, uh, Misa and the bridge crew come on in, and he drops stuff, and he looks like a pervert because he's on the floor while girls ha, are looking ha, at ha, lingerie. Ha. Why else would a man be in the lingerie store if not to oogle all the girls? You. <laughs> lingerie. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Just like... I like I I don't know like because obviously like I am I am not a woman who goes into lingerie stores but like you know I feel like my first response would be like oh he must be here with someone yeah that's usually mine 
But I or I don't know. Let's be progressive thinking. Maybe he wants to wear lingerie. Hey. Get it together, bridge crew. Hey, he do him. Yeah. Or they, or however he wants to identify. I don't care. It's 2009. Live in the future. Yeah. Live in 2019. Be that future 2009. (laughs) Or maybe not. Does does this take place in 2009 or 2019? I can't Uh, remember. I think it was 2009, I want to say. Okay. Okay. Oh, boy. Come on. Start thinking progressive, ladies. As long as you don't, uh, as long as there's no Cheetos running you on Spacey, I think we'll be good. Um, but anyway, um, so, uh, we go back to science guy talking with Captain Global and we find out where the fold engines weren't, where were some electronic anomaly and a science guy's like, we can turn this into a force field that we can use for different things. So the Zentradi are aware of the fact that the Macross plans to corner them near Saturn and they're going to let them go ahead with the plan so they can do what they're going to do. And meanwhile, we go back to the Macross and especially uh, looking at that lingerie shop and Mm -hmm. the other places near around and by, um, it definitely seems like things have returned to a pretty big level of normal for at least for the Islanders. Um, because I, there's some shots you're like, are we still on a ship? Like I, (laughs) like you had this kind of lush cityscape and you go to the military base and there's like trees and shrubbery and I'm like, okay, you can definitely tell it's been a little, they've had a bit of time to repair things. It looks like they kind of didn't leave earth in a way or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Karu gets the orders that, hey, uh, you got a sortie for this uh, sneak attack on Saturn's rings. And when he's walking around and heading towards the base with Roy, he runs into the bridge crew again, and especially Misa. And it gets hella awkward because <laughs> she's like, oh, you're the old lady. And and she's like, I'm you staring laser brat. beam. I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> Uh, but she handles it way better than she's like, I'm your superior. I'm just going to brush this off. Uh, watch yourself, dude. And don't go into lingerie shops. It may look you make you look, uh, may it look may uh, I can't do English may make you look sketchy. And uh, I like that. Hikaru could just easily clear that up, but he's like, uh, Oh no, I'm embarrassed because I was in the lingerie shop. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was thinking that too, but he's just like, no. And then you had all the other girls, especially the short, <laughs> long-haired girl, Shammy's just like, you pervert. Shammy's and the fucking best. <laughs> yeah, she is. Um, uh, so they start the sneak attack, um, or they're about to, uh, mind you. And they're talking about their plans to uh, lure the Zentradi into Saturn's rings. And in the process of talking about this, Global hits himself on uh, the door, the the ceiling of the Macross doors, trying to get in and out. And I'm all like, "This is going to be a running joke, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> I I think it. He's just he's a, he's a tall man. Yeah, I totally forgot about the door stuff, and now I'm more to think about it. Oh, they reference <laughs> this in pachinko games and stuff. So oh, do yeah, they? that's a oh, thing. That's good. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, not made by Konami, so you don't have to pull the lever. Oh but, you know. Um, I, this is a quick tangent. I did see a Castlevania slot machine at the casino recently. That's mm-hmm. that's all I got to say. Okay. So, did you hear the music, though? No. It it's was undeservedly it was, good. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. It was just painfully generic, I thought. Okay, so. well, there, there is there's a song that, like full orchestra with like this operatic aria being sung that turns into a duet and it's just like what why can't this be in a game i guess i gotta go blow some money again. Uh, i'll have to find <laughs> that later all right uh, i'll post Sounds it good. on your twitter page or something okay let's go pull the lever um <laughs> but going back to Matt cross um hikaru is obviously worried that in this mission he might not come back and he meets with Minway, Minmay before they go, and she's like, "Oh, this is great for you." And he, I guess, he's a little put off by the fact I, she doesn't. I don't think she totally gets that there's a very good chance he could not come back from this. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a disconnect there too, and I feel like that kind of mirrors real life. Yeah. Like, uh, at least from like you know historical fiction books I've read, it's just kind of this idea that it's like. You know, all you need to do is keep a level head and, you know, you'll be fine. And then, like, war isn't like that. Uh-uh. No, it's, it's, uh... Hikaru, at this point, just through training, is a little more intimately familiar with what's going on. And Minmei's just like, ah, you'll be fine. You get to fly your plane. So, yeah. you're doing that thing you love to do. You gotta be fine. Um, she means well. Yes, she does mean well. Um, but I, I can definitely see a bar bug Sicario a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I, I don't have anything. So uh, they take a picture thanks to a camera of legs in front of the fountain. They just put some coin into it. It's like, you know, it's 2019. In 2009, they had soda machines with legs and cameras with legs. Um, it's 2019. Where are those, Dylan? Can you tell me? <laughs> I, I like that Macross's vision for the future is it's like the 80s, but now everything has legs. Yeah. Well, hey, we're clo- we're kind of close to that. Now, if we put those little tiny segues on everything, we, we might be there, like, vaguely. All right, listen, I'm just going to say this right now. If I had to pay a quarter every time I wanted to take a selfie, I would scream. You know, I agree with you on that. So that's where this 2009 has it totally wrong. Just, just no. What what's going to happen is they make you download an app on your phone in the real 2019, and they charge you that quarter through the app. Oh, you shut up! Because you're using their service. Hey, I have those bird scooters. That's what we're going to get with like all this cloud saving shit. It's going to start charging us. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I have all these bird scooters around and about where I live. I've never mm-hmm. used them, but you need to put the app on your phone and have a dollar to start your ride oh through the God. app on your phone before they even let you get on the thing. So I guess that makes sense. That's kind of nifty, all, but... We are already in this dark future of paying for <laughs> your cameras with legs. Uh, the Zentradi need to come down and put us out of our misery. Yeah, they do. Just, just, just uh, tell me about protoculture. And and anime um, <laughs> and giant green haired women, uh, but that's getting ahead. Um, it's getting way ahead. <laughs> way ahead. Uh, so, uh, so the plan is uh, going forward. We go back to the deck again because science guys like. So there's not much we could really do with this 
barrier energy we found. We're going to call it the pinpoint barrier. And uh, we can play breakout with uh, enemy shots with it. Oh so we're God. just... So we can just block the enemy shots and have the people controlling it just playing that. You remember those? They could use any peripheral. They could use any peripheral. And they use the fucking rolly ball. Like I was thinking, you remember those golf arcade machines? Yeah. (laughs) Those golden tee golf. I was like, are are they going to, are they playing golf? Are they going to get a par on this course? Oh my God. (laughs) Just like, I was looking at that and I like that even the soldiers are like, this is fucking stupid. Why is this our mode of control? (laughs) (laughs) I, I was, oh boy, there there are better options uh, and it even looks very hard to control from what I can tell. So just like, why even bother? Just let let them shoot the Macross, I guess. Though though it is kind of cool later, but we'll get to that. Mm. Um, And so Hikaru can't sleep. Roy's like, hey, try to get some sleep. But he sneaks off and he's like, Eh, I get it. He's not going to sleep. Uh, this is this is pretty normal. There's no actually, way you can I, just tell someone not to sleep before, uh, or, you know. Like, I, I actually quite... My favorite part about Roy for these episodes is he very much turns down the debonair uh, womanizing part we're introduced to him yeah. with, and he's more of the supportive older brother that... I, I I quite like that because he's very understanding of everything that's going on. Hashtag that's our Roy. Yes, that's our Roy. That's our Dante. Uh, what what? <laughs> uh, um, I, I said that's our Dante just because. So just for quick quick aside, um, I was watching some stuff about Devil May Cry Four, and mm. the vo- actor for uh, Dante Ruben Langdon was like. So I watched Macross and based my character off of Roy for uh, DMC4. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, because in, in 3, you know, Ruben's first time playing as Dante, he, he plays Dante as kind of this spoiled party guy, uh, very childish. Um, so, you know, he had to re-audition to be adult not mature Dante, but comparatively more mature Dante. And so he used Roy uh, Foker from Macross as his kind of starting point. Which I'm just looking, going way too deep on it. I'm just like, yo, Roy was probably Dante back in the day when he started flying and doing stuff, I would imagine. I, I can't imagine he'd be too far from uh, uh-uh. Space Adventure Cobra, because that was the original inspiration mm. for Dante. Oh, yeah, I did not know that, but I... Yeah, when Hideki Kamiya made Devil May Cry 1, uh, he, uh, Cobra was the model for Dante. Okay, I, I loved Devil May Cry even more than I already did, but <laughs> um, back to Devil May Macross. Um, Devil Macross. There you go. <laughs> Devil's never Macross? Um, okay. Sure. Okay, let's go and uh, fill this uh, wicked podcast soul with light. Um, okay, <laughs> Super Devil Fortress. No, okay, we're done. <laughs> Super Devil Fortress may cry. There you go. There you go. That's the new podcast. <laughs> we name. got there. Um, so they launch for the they launch for the mission, and as I say, first thing that dog fighting music is. Mm. 
it slaps, man. I the music <laughs> in this show is so killer. Um, though it does have its uh, overwrought moments, like the whole "we're gonna die, let's get married" music moment. But yeah, I'm just like but, yeah, I mean, like I feel like you can't write a moment like that and not put over the top true melodrama true. music to that. True, but. This dogfighting music just slaps, man. I I, I love it. Um, and as they're going, Hikaru apparently forgets all his training and doesn't fly in line with the rest of the squad because they're trying to stay hidden in this asteroid field. But he's like, that's not flying safe. And Misa's like, hey, get in line with the squad. And he's all like, don't yell at me, old lady. Don't and, yell at me for not doing my job. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, you oh, know, there's this little thing called insubordination. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? To, like, you're you're scared to death of dying, and I guess, like, yeah, they're not flying safe, quote-unquote, but, like, also, like, you're making a super easy target out of yourself. And, and, and also, at the same time, it's like, if the Zentradis see him, they'll be like, Hey, there should be other planes, too. There's something up here. Keep an eye out. Yeah, so... Um, and then the Macross is like, we're just, gonna, we're just gonna float down into this asteroid belt so we can hide and wait till the enemy comes into range of the main gun. And then the enemy shows up, the Zentradi, and then the VFs swoop out of the darkness Um the, like I think it's the dark side of one of the moons to attack them, and the Macross rises up and is like, "Okay, let's fire the main gun." It doesn't fire because their new fancy pinpoint barrier toy means they can't fire the gun, and um, so they're kind of sol at the moment. And in the process of them trying to futz the gun. All the Valkyrie squads, except the Skull Squadron, which Roy and Hikaru were in, get totally destroyed. And Misa's oh, like... that detail. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, it gets real fast. I'm... Like, in this situation, I was almost surprised that Hikaru hadn't gotten shot down yet. So he got lucky. Yeah. Um, super lucky. And Roy, uh, we don't have to worry about him. Um, <laughs> Roy will never die. No, never, never, never die. Um, he loves. He loves the, what? Never mind. Um, pineapples. What the fuck are you talking about? Pineapple. Sa- I love pineapple uh, pizza. Pineapple salad, delicious. It's. I always put pineapples on your pizza. Always. Um, always. If you don't, you're uh, a coward and a zentradi. <laughs> <laughs> boy <laughs> oh so uh, new types eat pineapple pizza i'm moving on don't worry there we go <laughs> i feel like that's the episode name <laughs> oh boy uh so um misa gets an idea to help with this so they they're talking about hey let's do something with this barrier system and one of our ship arms it's called the daedalus and put some of our uh, um, big shooty robots called Destroids in there, too. And at this time, uh, Hikaru somehow boards his Entrati ship. And he freezes up when he's face-to-face with just some random soldier dude. And he can't shoot. The soldier is like, ah. And just as this is happening, 
the, the coolest mech, shit. Yes, the most <laughs> hype shit in this episode. So, so uh, the Matt Cross is like, okay, we're gonna put the pinpoint barrier in the front of this friggin' space shittable bat battle Yamato Daedalus, and we're gonna punch the damn ship with the boat arm. And we're going to open it up and uh, we're just going to have all our shooty robots just uh, blow everything up. Let loose. Just pew pew. And that ship pops like a pimple, man. Uh, (laughs) And they just fly away and this thing. Like they legitimately fucking. I don't. the The only thing I can compare it to is like a Rasen God because they punch and then ah, it's so cool. I uh, I uh, it, <laughs> like if this like this uh, Gurren Lagan owes Giga Drill royalty checks to Macross <laughs> for this good punching a ship with another ship. I I oh, this shit is too good. Um, <laughs> And as this happens, Hikari just barely escapes the ship punching. And um, like I said, it pops like a pepper or a pimple. It's uh, it's mwah, magnifique. <laughs> and everybody's happy that this maneuver now referred to as the Daedalus attack was crazy enough to work. And Britai and the Zentradi like, are oh, like, shit. These, we, these microns, microns, whatever. They, they, we underestimated them. Yeah, we might need to call in some peeps. And the episode ends as is this uh, set of three. We that was today. a good trilogy of episodes. Yes, like I, like like we've been talking about through this whole thing. I think the strongest part of this is uh, the character building um, between Hikaru and Minmei. That's kind of been the main point with kind of and at least until episode six all the stuff with the military and the centrati has just kind of been on the periphery yeah yeah definitely like this this last episode i think i mean like you know they've always been there but i think this is the first episode where we really start to see the bridge as like the the dilemmas they're going through yeah eh, that's not necessarily true the first episode had some of that and the episode preview for the next episode will have plenty of that Yep, I actually so I I I was a bad I was a bad podcaster and didn't watch the episode preview, so it would ah, be fun good. to it would be fun to review what come next. So hopefully, uh, I hope we get the best character in the show in the next episode. Uh, Misa's Our, already in the show. Oh, Misa's already in the show. I'm talking about <laughs> no, you're that talking about one Max, dude, right? Or yeah, whatever I am. his Japanese name is. Max Genius, the super genius. His last name is not Genius. <laughs> yes, his last name is Genius. Oh my god, that's so dumb. I love it. Because isn't his name like Max it's, uh, Anderson Sterling or something? And, it's, it's Sterling. Sterling, gotcha. Uh, which I guess has like a similar connotation, but like isn't so on the nose. Yeah, this is this is very on the nose. He is a genius, <laughs> genius. my friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Voiced by Liquid Snake, no less. Oh, in in uh, in Robotech, not in Macross. Oh boy! The, actually, the more I've been thinking about it recently, you know, if they just want to do it once the rights for Harmony Gold run out, I would not be opposed to them doing a new dub 
of Macross again. You, you can bring back, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, the woman who voiced Min May, bring her back again. And then also, hey, just bring back the Robotech cast yeah. because they're all like, pretty good. I would not mind. Um, or actually, I would rather, I would prefer uh, Tony Oliver over Vic Magnana as Hikaru. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, that, uh, we're not, I, I, we're not going to get into that, but I just, I'm, yeah, we're not going to get into that. But just I, in terms of performance, yeah, I really no, I am, enjoy I am Tony Oliver's. Because I didn't, uh, uh, recognize Dirtbag, um, when I first watched the show. Um, yeah. um, and I was surprised that it was Dirtbag. Um, mm-hmm. but I would, I, yeah, don't hire Dirtbag. That's all we're going to say about that. <laughs> all right, um, so we are taking the hard stance. Kickvic. Yeah, Kickvic. Um, I, I'm just going to say this right now. Whenever, tangent, but whenever you're at a convention or you're working with somebody, um, you should be in a safe and fun environment and not have to worry about creepos trying to do things to you that you don't want done or respect people's personal space and bounds. Thank you very much. So that's... That's where I'm personally going to table it, but don't be a creep. You're the you're the showrunner for this podcast, so if you are okay with saying Kickvic, I am 100% okay with saying Kickvic. I I am I am 200% okay with saying Kickvic. Awesome. So, All right. So, yeah, that's where we stand. <laughs> this is a pro Kickvic podcast, my friend. <laughs> We've um, deceived you by waiting until the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I feel like most people uh, who watch Macross or don't watch dubs anyway. <laughs> yeah, probably. Just wait. I, I have a feeling that once, um, once I I have a feeling that Crunchyroll or somebody stateside, hopefully Discotech, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. when they get when the rights come out over here, maybe we'll get a new dub. Maybe maybe Netflix. Will be like, hey, this is important. Hey, that Shoji Kawamori guy, he's pretty important. Let's bring all this to Netflix. I'd be down for that. Mm. So that's especially with uh, some stuff like Eva coming to Netflix. It would fit right in. I think so too. So, yep. Um, What were we talking about before uh, we made Uh, our stances? Talking about the dub. We were talking about. Yeah. um, Um, We wrapped up the episodes, uh, and we were talking about the episode preview. I'm just listing everything right now. In the max. Okay. Yeah. So I I thought the character interactions were really great for these episodes. Um, I I think it was really nicely capped off by the friggin' ship punching another ship. It's so good. Like, like <laughs> I I think that's something really either special or uh, paradoxical about mecha anime, especially uh, real robot mecha yeah. anime, where, like, you know, on the one hand, war is a terrible, terrible thing, and we are going to kind of portray the effect war has on civilian lives, on soldiers' lives, and we will try to handle that with dignity and respect. On the other hand, big robot punch, go boom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you were saying that, the, the other example, even though I haven't watched it all the way through, that I thought of instantly was when the Easy 8 does its spin-up punch in 08, uh, 08 MS team. Yeah, yeah. Because I've heard about that, and I'm all like, 
That, from what I've heard about that show, that sounds very uh, out of character for it, but I'm also very down for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, I, I... I, I feel like both can coexist, but you gotta you gotta kind of toe that line carefully. But like yeah. you know, throwing that out of the window for two seconds, the Daedalus attack is so cool. I, I'm just like, I'm just thinking like the form of the Daedalus attack. They a couple times they use in Frontier, and how that gets even crazier. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember. I'm I'm oh. excited to revisit Frontier on my bootleg DVDs. Yeah, the proper way. Uh, <laughs> until somebody licenses it, uh, then then I'll be like, okay, I'll I'll rebuy everything. But until that day, <laughs> yar, um, yar, yar. Um, but I I don't have much else to say. Do you have any things uh, up in your mind before we? Yeah, wrap guess, this up. Uh, there were a couple like thematic overarching things. Uh, we definitely got through a lot of a lot more than I was expecting to, just because like I I feel like Min May is like the big focus of episodes four and five, definitely. Yes. Um, but I guess like you know, Captain Global is an interesting character because like especially in these last couple episodes and episode three, which we talked about last time, um. There's really this sense of him way like in way over his head, like he has to make these incredibly hard decisions that uh you know he's dealing with technology he barely understands with the ramifications that he has to be just considerate enough of so that like all the refugees don't you know die, but like he like he's constantly doing things that are ruining the lives of the civilians. And there's this interesting kind of, I, I don't want to call it attention because at least from what I remember for the most part, like in Robotech, it only really comes up with Lynn Kyle or Lynn, mm. whatever his name is. Yeah. With Kai, Kyle, Kyle Foon. Kai yeah, Foon. Kai Foon. Yeah. Cause um, I, that, that, yeah, I think it brings up then cause like, um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm on your train. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I I still, I I think it's interesting that, um, you know, because you look at Gundam 79 and it's like everything's cool because, or Gundam 78 rather, um, everything's cool, everything's fine. Like they don't really go to any civilian places for the most part with like a couple exceptions. Um, So Macross has the interesting perspective to you know, they wrote the parameters to kind of do a commentary on that where they are both in a giant spaceship that is traveling through the solar system, but is also has to deal with the fact that there is a civilian town nearby and it is technically a military base in a military town. Yeah. Um, (sighs) And that goes back way more to the stuff we were talking about. I was mentioning the Okinawa. Yeah, mentioning Okinawa because it feels it feels so, especially in this context, it feels so influenced by Japan post World War II because you had the U.S. military force there the entire time, and the people of Japan they have the JDF, uh, JDSF, but there's nothing they really can do. Um, so I sorry, I, I don't mean to cut in. No, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. I've always wondered about, like, you know, the very stereotypically American 
type soldier characters in these shows. Like, I know you haven't seen 78, but it's 78 or 79. I feel like such a fake fan. Is is Slegger one of those? It's uh, yeah, Slegger is what I'm talking. It's seventy nine. I think I keep saying seventy eight because I'm thinking of the RX seventy eight Gundam. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, in Gundam seventy nine, you have Slegger. In Macross, you have Roy Foker. Um, I've I've often wondered about like the, you know, how much of that is influenced by you know, American soldiers occupying Japan. No, they I, have, they have very similar personalities, uh, that very similar personalities and demeanors. No, I can, I definitely, I, I definitely seen where you're coming from on that. Cause it just seems, yeah, it's, I, if, if it, especially if it's showing up in other shows too, this kind of American army man trope, um, it's given the the very real effects um, World War Two left on Japan. I am not surprised that that would full flow into a lot of works and inform them. Um, I'm just I, I'm just for me, it's more interesting at a second watch because I wasn't really paying attention to the first time. Mm-hmm. Just seeing like we were talking about because this is basically. Let's let's just let's just put this one to one. Let's say yeah, okay. that Macross is Okinawa, and everybody else, um, the catalyst for people going to Al- Al- Okinawa. Let's say let's not quite say that Macross is World War Two, but let's vaguely put it in those terms. Okay, the whole world descends upon it, and um, and this just leaves the people who were there just there to deal with it and deal with the circumstances of the military being there and all these different people um, who are occupying their homeland for uh, a good amount of time. And it just takes it even further. They're like, okay, let's, let's put this into space instead of just a place on earth. Yeah. So I hope that came clear. It sounded like I might've been a little muddled there, but I, I, I think I get the basic I would really like to talk to like a, a Japanese historian or something who who knows about like that post World War II era. Yeah, I would um, as well because like honestly, there's only so much y- you and I can infer from our education and what we yeah. roughly know about stuff. But we're we're yeah. I mean we're we, no we are two Americans this. with a very specific uh, history taught to us about World War II. Uh, yeah, because um, it's it's through the hey um, we uh, beat up the Nazis real good perspective, and then also uh, also we did some stuff in the Pacific. Uh, yeah, some real bad stuff. In uh, the Pacific. Then a couple really bad things happened, and uh, you know we're we'll talk about that a little bit uh, because it is important for what happens afterwards. But uh, yeah, for the most part, we'll just kind of like that's Japan. Everyone say hi, Japan. Say bye, Japan. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh boy, like I said earlier, I know what I know through anime. <laughs> oh boy, and the education. So uh, it, yeah, it would be very interesting to get somebody who knows way more about this to weigh on, weigh in on their thoughts. Which, mm-hmm. if anybody was interested, in our email is cast. Uh, there we go, at gmail.com. If you guys want to send us an email, we'd love 
um, especially somebody who was more intimate with uh, post-World War II Japan and the, all that information, it would be awesome to see your perspective or anybody's perspective on this. Mm-hmm. We love sharing the love and the opinions and stuff. We remember so, love. Yeah, I, I, I remember love a little bit. <laughs> um, so was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I, I do remember that, like, I kind of saved it for later talking about the triumphant music when the Macross is firing. Yes. Uh, this, yes. this felt like a good stopping point, but I, I do want to address that really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think it's interesting that, like, you know, you have this because. Oh, yeah. We were even talking about this like uh, three minutes ago where it's like everything is all triumphant and awesome and cool. And then like you are also you have to grapple that with the uh, reality that like, oh, look at all those dead pilots. Oh, war is a terrible thing. Yeah, Um, it's I think the one time where that was done really well that we we talked about a little bit was the end of episode five where uh, the crew is celebrating. There's the triumphant music playing, and then Global's like, "No, this this wasn't a victory. We have to we have to do damage control now." Um, and I think the the cool and interesting thing about like you know Mobile Suit Gundam and uh, SDF Macross is that they are taking this idea of like the giant robot as a superhero, and you know the SDF. Macross turns into like one of the biggest, grandest versions of this superhero. I, I would argue super robots are the Japanese equivalent of superheroes, at least in this time in no, I, I agree with culture. You. Like that and like Tokusatsu. Um But like, you know, just kind of juxtaposed it with like this has ramifications. And yes, cause, mm-hmm. yes, cause like like we were saying, even though the Music is making you think, oh, hell yeah, we just got those guys. Uh, no, um, I, I think uh, to the contrary, we uh, we being the folks on the Macross probably lost just as much, if not more. <laughs> and I, I think the show, you know, it, it's harder to, like, keep this in perspective now that, like, the show's been out and we can easily binge it on DVD and or the Internet. Yeah, um, yar. <laughs> but I, I think the th- the important thing to keep in perspective is like that's how that episode ends, and that's yeah. what that is the thing the audience is supposed to focus on and take away, not the oh they saved the day. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think I think that's a very interesting thing that I would I, I'm interested to see how that continues. I am as well, especially when you. Uh Add people into the uh, fray like Kaifun, who's very much, very much anti-war, mm-hmm. and his his perspectives and the. It'll be interesting to see how this froze on because there's way more characters we haven't seen yet, and they all add their, in a way, their own perspective onto this, which I think widens it very nicely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we. Uh I think we're good to start doing our plugs. Okay, so yeah. so as a reminder, I mentioned the email earlier. I'll say it one more time because it's an acronym, and acronyms are confusing, am I right? <laughs> um, if you have any questions, insights, want to share with us, uh, shoot us an email at dyrmcast at gmail.com. 
And if you were looking for the show, our main hub right now is anchor.fm slash do you remember? That's do you remember, not do you remember? Um, and then um, we have a Facebook that, page. Yes, we do. That is also at facebook.com slash do you remember? And just a quick thing on the anchor there that will push everything out to your your apples and your spotify's and stuff we'll have that soon anchors working on that for us at the moment but we'll let you know when that's up and yes we do have our facebook dudes that do you remember um and then we will have a twitter at some point because a real smart person um put the birth date of a twitter page to be the day it was and got locked out so um I'm waiting for uh, Mr. Jack and his cronies to reopen my uh, Twitter account for uh, Do You Remember Macross at some point. So we will we will let you know when that's all going again. So hopefully very soon. <laughs> <laughs> and also one last huge shout out to Chris Eakins, the artist of the Shoot 'Em Up game Risk System, for providing the show's key art. To see more of Chris's work and keep up to date on the development of Risk System, check out at Risk System underscore game on Twitter and its itch.io page at riskysystem.itch.io slash rs. And That's again, a mouthful. <laughs> yes, it's a lot. Um, but Chris, thanks again. You did a killer job it on the key art for this show. It's, uh, it is a spicy, delicious meatball. It's, <laughs> it's a fantastic. Thanks again. Um, and then uh, Dylan, Mr. Dylan, where can people find you on the place that is the internet? Um, let's see. You can go to my personal Twitter. Uh, I should really make a professional Twitter soon, but, uh, for now you can chat me up at my personal Twitter at the Dilla. That is at T H A underscore D I L A. Um, and I am also involved in another podcast with, our mutual friend, actor, and all-around dreamboat, Chris Wilson. Um, He's very dreamy. Very dreamy. Uh, We talk about video games and acting and stuff, and you can catch us over at Backstage Gaming. Uh, I won't linger on the plug too much. I just wanted people to know that that is a thing that exists. Um, And yeah, that is is where you can find me. Awesome, awesome. And you're still on the Unexplored Places as well right now? I am still on Unexplored Places. I didn't want to plug every single thing, but you should also check out the podcast Unexplored Places. It is an, act- yeah. it is an actual play podcast uh, that I have made an appearance on in the most recent episodes and will also probably be in a couple interlude episodes. So also check that out. Awesome. Yeah, we're like a switchboard over here. We like to plug everything. So um, as for myself, you can find me at Twitter at Rider Strike. I am also working on some other stuff, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. And I'll let you guys know. (laughs) So. All right. So thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Dude, you remember Macross? I'm Coop. I'm Dylan. And thank you for watching. Have a good week. Mm -hmm.